You are listening to the Ogden Outdoor Adventure Show podcast on Gear 30 Radio. Adventure for your ears. Shop Gear 30 premier mountain equipment and improve your outdoor experience. Gear 30 Radio! You haven't lived until you've heard the show Americans are talking about. The show that launches its listeners to the height of humanity. The audio hour that travels the landscape of adventure. The sound that comforts more than the clip of your first bolt. (sighs) It's the Ogden Outdoor Adventure Show! We're Outdoor Adventure Summits the Airwaves. It's the Ogden Outdoor Adventure Show. I'm your host, Brandon Long. I'm going with you for the next hour. In uh, the Gear 30 studio today with me is, as always, Todd at the top. We also have Greg Reynolds, and he will teach us how to do an ultra from couch to 100. He'll give us some tips here. In how many days? In how <laughs> so um, also we have a lot of news and events. We'll go over what's happening this weekend around town, which is quite a bit. And we do have a Gear 30 segment, some My Land segment. So all this and more on episode 144, The Shutdown. So let's charge. He summits with the agility of a mountain goat, flashes routes faster than UPS, is more intimate in the mountains than Jake Gyllenhaal. He's Todd to the top. All right, so on this week's episode of the Ogden Outdoor Adventure Show, The Shutdown, we have Greg Reynolds with us. Greg is an employee of Gear 30 and also now a finisher of a 100-mile ultra. And you had quite a bit of time to train for this. I mean, ultra is a big deal. So you're gonna, what you're going to do is you're going to plan all summer for like three, four months, you're going to train for this, and you're going to start with smaller races, maybe a Minimum 50K. Minimum four months, I would think. Minimum I four months. Think, yeah. So, uh, yeah, tell us about your rigorous training schedule. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, <clears throat> my training schedule started about three weeks before the race. Three weeks, not months. About three weeks before the race, I signed up for the race. Well, and you had a big base, right? Like, I... Yeah, uh, <laughs> so I, I signed up for the race and then uh, went for a few runs and then decided to taper. <laughs> taper for the your race. Five day taper. Yeah, so yeah. I, I I went on, uh, yeah, a couple twelve mile runs, a couple six mile runs, and then I just kind of relaxed, so ate a lot of a lot of junk food. And I'm doing the math in my head right now. <laughs> times twelve goes into a hundred. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> So, what, honestly, what was your longest training run? Well, um, back in May, I did an 18-mile run. In May. May. And this, and the bear was uh, last, last weekend. Last weekend, yeah. So that was that probably built a good foundation to last throughout the summer. Yeah. So, yeah. a lot of people ask me, like, how do you expect to finish when you haven't been running all summer? And um, it's a good question, but uh, <laughs> um, the thing with the bear is the bear is a lot of up and down, uh, hiking up hills, uh, up mountains, and then jogging down the other side, and there really isn't a whole lot of flat, and uh, there's not a ton of uh, real like runnable terrain. It's either you're running downhill or you're hiking uphill, and I've been hiking for most of my life. And I've done plenty of hiking this summer, so I felt like the hiking aspect of it, the uphill aspect of it, I'd probably be fine. Uh, I have done some running, um, uh, and so I figured I could, I could, if anything, I could jog slowly down the hills, walk the flats and the uphills if I needed to. So I was pretty confident that it was going to hurt, but I could finish 100 miles when I signed up for it. It was kind of on a whim. I, I had planned on running this race beginning of the summer I ran trained for a couple months and um and back in May and June early June and then I got injured <clears throat> took a few months off to kind of recover from the injury and uh and then did the race so um and you finished I did finish did was, you did you fat. consider dropping at any point no um 
you and a few others bet me money that uh, that I couldn't finish just to kind of motivate me to finish. And so there was no no option in my mind for, for quitting. Um, when I, I started didn't know it, money was that big of a motivator. No, it wasn't there. money. It was pride. It was, it was, yeah, it was the pride. Um, so... <laughs> Quitting really wasn't an option for me, and uh, I think I had you at 80 miles, and I thought you'd be lucky to get there. Yeah. Um, so I was. I felt great up through mile 80. Um, mile 85, my knee started hurting. Mile 88, my IT band really um, flared up, and and it was pretty difficult at that point. To I couldn't run anymore. Uh, walking was hurt so i kind of limped the last 12 or so miles but But what's what's crazy is that you're saying i felt good up to 80 and your longest ever so you've ran trail marathons before yeah and but your longest race ever (coughs) was a trail marathon is that correct yep before this so so every mile after 26.2 was a personal record as a race yeah yeah (laughs) well (coughs) so did that did that motivate you th- it, to help you like oh this is further than I've ever gone before further than, you know I'm now I'm at fifty and now I'm at sixty. No, I well, I mean, had I thought of it that way, I'm sure it would have motivated me. I didn't think about it that way at all during the race. I uh, honestly, I just I looked at the race as race from aid station to aid station. Just start at mile one, get to mile ten where the first aid station was, and then to mile twenty where the second and the mile. 24 and then mile 30 ish and so on just go eight station to eight station eat the elephant and a bite at a time and um so that helped me to kind of wrap my head around 100 miles just going eight station to eight station um it also helped i think i my plan was to go out really slow um, a lot of friends told me who had run these races have told me people make the mistake of going out too fast and then really struggling the second half. You're of the a competitive race. person. Was that hard to do to watch people pass you? <clears throat> yes, it was very difficult. I think by mile 40 or so, I was probably in the probably I don't know last 10 uh, in in all the runners, except for those that had dropped out by that point. So. Which speak, there was a lot of dropouts. There was a lot of did not finishes. Uh, maybe, boy, I counted almost 70 of the 300 field didn't finish. Did you know that there were that many people dropping as you were going? I didn't. No, I I knew just a couple people when I hit mile 50. A couple people I saw drop. Um, one of my friends that I had run with up through mile 50 dropped to mile 61. Um, I didn't know there were that many people that had dropped. Um, saw a lot of carnage on the trail people doubled over struggling um, freezing cold uh, but I just yeah I wasn't aware and I what was interesting is I think in a normal 100 mile race they have maybe 10 to 15 percent dropout rate Um, of the 300 people that signed up for the race I think about 170 actually finished 160 something so um it was a pretty high percentage rate of dropouts or right. not or did not start. But that, so, I mean, this was your, your first hundred, but for others, it was maybe the weather and mixed with the terrain that right. made it so hard. Yeah, I would, I'd imagine. So it was cold. It was, uh, windy. Um, you had snow. The, it was snowy. Um, it didn't snow a lot on us, but there was snow on the trail. The trails were slick in places. Trails are very, very muddy in places. From mile 44 up to mile 51 is a long uphill climb up to Tony's Grove. And that was very muddy and very slick and exhausting. Um, A lot of people dropped out at mile 51. So um, the conditions um, of the course and the weather and stuff, I think, is what really made the race miserable for some people and and made them not want to finish. The hard part about 100 miles, I think, is the just the mental aspect if you allow yourself to think about quitting you'll end up quitting you just can't even let it enter your mind and so that's where i got lucky so again we're here with greg reynolds of gear 30 who just completed his first 100 mile race with very little training um going into is this it one and done 
You got more coming up? What no, are you I'll, thinking? I'll do some more. Yeah? It was fun, yeah. Good. Uh, so, possibly a hard rock? Hope so. I'd, yeah, if I can get in. It's, it's a pretty difficult one to get into. Do you think you'll maybe change your training schedule at all? Yep. <laughs> yeah. You could I, do it in two weeks. <coughs> I'm just suggesting. Hard rock might be a two-week training. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think... I would never suggest to anybody that they go and do a hundred mile race without training for it. And I think it's, I think it's, uh, unfair to say that I didn't train for it. Um, it's that I didn't train for it in the way that most people train for their races. It was very non-traditional. Right. Very, I mean, there's a lot of times you'll spend, yes, months, four months and your long runs you'll do back to back, you know, long 20 to 30 on a Saturday and then follow it up with another 20 on a Sunday just to get your legs used to turning over when they're really tired, uh, but none of that. And so talk to me about nutrition and and clothing. It was cold, and I, I think a lot of the racers quit maybe because they were cold or hypothermic. Is there some things that you did that worked for you that maybe you saw other runners not doing and, and maybe that's why they dropped? And what would you uh, wear or do differently? Obviously, yeah. for next time. Yeah. As, as far as layering goes in apparel, um, I don't think I would change a single thing um, if I were to do the same race again. Um, I was I was comfortable. I never at any time got too warm or too cold. Um, I had I wore a long sleeve a long sleeve wool shirt, um, merino wool shirt for the first 44 miles, and then I had a light wind shirt that I could throw over that if it got really windy, which I pulled out once. Then from mile 44 to 51, I threw a lightweight um, wind shirt. Uh, Is that the vaporize? Uh, no, I didn't hit, do that until mile 51. Oh. Um, I did, it was an outdoor research, just kind of a, a real light, stretchy, hooded jacket that I used for that, that next section. The sun was going down by that point, so it had cooled off a lot, and that was helpful to to kind of cut the wind a little bit. Then from 51 till about mile 85 or, or so, I used the Rab Vaporize um, jacket with the hood, and that was perfect over just a long sleeve base layer. Um, with the hood on, it was warm in the coldest conditions. With the hood off, halfway unzipped, it was perfect for the warmer conditions. I just, I never, never got sweaty, never overheated, never got cold. When you say the coldest conditions, what, what do you think it dropped down to? Um, I think the ambient temperature was low 20s, high teens, plus wind. It's chilly. Um, so I think, I think in places because the wind chill is probably down in the single digits with wind chill, but... Um, probably about 20 degrees was as cold. Your hands get cold. You wear gloves. I wore I wore just glove liners, um, and as long as I was moving, that was fine. My hands never got cold. I was always using poles, um, and did you use I poles did, the whole run? I did. Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. Yep. I uh, I also I pulled out hand warmers. Um, my crew gave me hand warmers at one point, and I threw them on the the back of the glove liners on the back of my hand. And I just forgot they were there. So I don't know if the glove liners were enough, but with the hand warmers, it was just perfect. Awesome. So, um, And then as far as nutrition goes, um, I was not sure what to expect. I've done a lot of training on using gels and, and the endurance chew type stuff. Um, I like to use, I use goo products a lot, and my stomach is used to that, so I used a lot of goos. A goo brand gels and goo brand goo chomps and um but when i got to aid stations i would just eat whatever i could find that sounded good i ate almost a whole bag of doritos throughout the race i had almost a whole pizza and you were telling me because you don't normally drink soda but you drink some coke just for the race yeah at uh, mile 51 i had my first coke of my life <laughs> And uh, crazy. it was phenomenal. Uh, <laughs> what do they put in that stuff? <laughs> I and I don't. I'm not a. Even now, if I drink it, I don't think it tastes all that great. But at the time, 51 yeah, miles in, I was tired. It was getting dark. It was kind of cold. I drank some, and it just perked me right up. And it tasted good, good calories. And I drank from mile 51 to the end. I probably drank. 
don't know, I filled my 21-ounce bottle up eight, probably eight times with Coke and drink. I, I mean... Uh, you don't I, mess around your first no, time. <laughs> no, I... I uh, oh, wow. Yeah, I, I can hold my Coke. That's for sure. <laughs> That's um, pretty good for a beginner, yeah. But anyway, I... Uh, so that kept me perky all throughout the night and kept me going. And, and uh, what was interesting is when the morning, when the sun came up the next morning, um, things warmed up, I switched back to Gatorade. I was I'd been using Gatorade earlier the day before, and as soon as I started drinking Gatorade, I started dozing off and getting tired on the trail. And I was jogging along the trail, dozing, like falling asleep. And like a sugar crash from the Gatorade, maybe? Yeah, I don't know and, what it and was. And the lack of, the, you know, and the crash from the, the caffeine come the, down, too. Yeah, and so then I, after that, after I was falling asleep, I drank some more Coke right awake again. <laughs> so, um, but... It works wonders. But yeah. I talk, they sell yeah, a lot of that stuff, I hear. I talked to some friends who had done these, and they said, you know, I'm not a Coke drinker, but drink some Coke on your on your race. It'll make it so much better, and sure enough, it did. So. You were toying around also with uh, footwear because you didn't quite know exactly what to do. Um, on your shorter training runs, I know you wear ultra lone peaks. What what did you wear? What do you think would work for best for hundreds, and what was what was everybody else wearing? What was surprising to me, all of my friends that I talked to, they suggested hokas. Uh-huh. Um, I was surprised at how many people there were not wearing hokas. I thought that everybody would be. Um, I wore Lone Peaks for the first 50 miles and then hokas for the last 50. Um, but I trained in Lone Peaks and I hadn't trained in hokas. A friend gave me a pair just a couple days before the race, never running them. Wasn't really sure what to expect, but I brought them just in case I wanted extra padding. The Lone Peaks were were great for the first 50 miles, but by that time my feet were getting a little sore and I wanted some extra padding, so I swapped over to the Hokas. And the Hokas did the trick. Um, they were pretty comfortable, but they do have a 6 mil drop, whereas I was used to a zero drop shoe. And and uh, I think it I think it pounded my joints a little bit more than I was used to because it, it changed the way I normally run. And so um, by the end, my joints were really really sore and were, I don't know if it would have been different or not with a different shoe but yeah you were limping a little you were pretty sore but you made it you finished so congratulations you're the finisher of a, your first 100 mile run race the bear 100 which I've read blogs from other people who say that it's one of the hardest they've ever done for multi runners who run these things all the time yeah I mean I, f- I hear that it's not as hard as Wasatch, um, but I talked to a few people after this race that said this one in particular, because of the weather and the yeah. elements, and was harder than any Wasatch they'd done. Um, I I enjoyed the nasty weather. That's kind of I'm in my element and that type of stuff. I like to climb and and uh, mount, do a lot of mountaineering and stuff. So that that kind of energized me. I guess where it. it ruins everybody else's day it kind of made mine so well out. and not only that well i mean we're sort of you know making fun of the fact that you you know kind of go from couch to 100 but what you are used to doing is 24 hour plus out in the backcountry alpine type adventures right like backpacking or or climbing in the teton so that wasn't that didn't really affect you as much right yeah i've I've gone on climbing trips where we go for 24 to 48 hours straight without sleep. They're suffer fest, but I'm used to that. And so, yeah, that aspect, I think um, a lot of people that go into hundreds have never suffered for that long before, and I had, and so that helped. Um, It really didn't feel to me as bad as everybody was telling me it was going to be. It didn't feel like as much suffering as I was expecting it. But I think it's because I'd, I'd done it before. At yeah. least I'd suffered before. Um, it was hard. It took me 34 hours and 50 minutes. The cutoff is 36. So 36 hours. If I were to do it again, I would love to train hard, go back and do it in under 30 hours or under 24 hours. Just that extra 12 hours on your feet um, over 24 hours, that that uh, make a big difference to finish that much earlier so if i do it again i'd like to finish much faster and for sure but uh but one thing i've i've come to i've come to the conclusion that the body can do so much more than we allow it to um it's our mind that kind of keeps us from 
from doing what what we're really capable of doing. So this for me, when I signed up for it, I was pretty confident I could finish if I could tell my mind to just keep going. Um, but this this experience really taught me that that's that's true. Um, we can we can set our mind to something as long as as our mind is willing, our body can do incredible things. And uh, I, th- I think a lot of people, uh, because of fear or, or whatever the reason is, don't allow themselves to reach their full potential physically. Yeah, just self-imposed boundaries. Yeah, I think right. you hit on it before where those thoughts just never even enter your head. It makes right. a huge difference. Yeah, you just can't even, can't even let doubt enter your mind. As soon as it does, it'll eat at you until you finally give up. But if you just... If you just don't even let it enter your mind, then it works out. So. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, congratulations, your first bear, 100, and uh, I know you got a free pair of Vasks coming to you as a congratulatory <laughs> finish. So, nice job, and uh, thanks for chatting with us here on the Ogden Outdoor Adventure Show. You are listening to the Ogden Outdoor Adventure Show podcast on Gear 30 Radio. Adventure for your ears. Shop Gear 30 Premier Mountain Equipment and improve your outdoor experience. So this is the shutdown episode of the Ogden Outdoor Adventure Show, and Utah's national parks are closed, along with all the other national parks, but Utah houses five parks. Yeah, no kidding. Huh? So uh, rafters, or rafting outfitters were ordered to stay off Utah's major rivers Tuesday. This is according to the Staring Examiner. And foreign tourists were left confused as five national parks were closed during a busy time of the year, the result of the federal government shutdown. Quote, we're dealing with a broken system, broken Congress, said John Wood, president of Holiday River Expeditions, which was ordered by the United States National Park Service to stay off the Colorado and Green Rivers. They couldn't be doing more to run me out of business. Uh, if the shutdown lasts two weeks, Holiday will lose $50,000. Yeah, no, I know. And that's just one of the many, many casualties. The shutdown also... Uh, prompted furloughs of thousands of federal workers, of course, and civil defense contractors in the state. Uh, many people had expected the move because of the congressional budget battle. So it's a good thing there's no uh, wedding plans in Yellowstone this week. Good, right? We we well, some considered going to Yellowstone this weekend because it's a perfect time to go, oh, yeah. and you we would have been shut down. Well, some of these permits that you have to get into these parks. I mean, you have to get them. Months, if not years, in advance, revoked. Well, that's the, that's who. We, yeah, you feel sorry because you pay money too. It's about a thousand dollars for some of these permits, and yeah, it's crazy. Um, let's hope this comes to an end quick. Also, this is a reminder. Our public service announcement reminder: Park City Police are urging snowboard registration. It's getting cold today. Feels phenomenal outside. Oh, it's but, great. Uh, Fifty. 50? Oh. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, mountain snowfall means that the 2013-14 ski season is near. So are, unfortunately, ski and snowboard thieves. In the Wasatch Mountains Resort community of Park City, police are urging outdoor winter sports enthusiasts to help reduce thefts by registering their gear. This is the sixth year for the ski and snowboard registration program in Park City. Uh, it's been successful. Only one incident of registered gear being stolen has been reported since the program was launched in 2006. That's awesome. So register it and or don't or don't register it and never see your gear again. Track record like that. I think it's <laughs> worth registering. Right? Only one. So um, speaking of we were chatting with Greg his first 100 miler the body can do amazing things and <laughs> I've just been talking to Greg. I feel very... <laughs> what's the word? Static. Like, creepy. Hey, like, I'm, like I'm not challenging my body quite. <laughs> that, I need much. to get out a little more. Yeah. Um, so, Seth Westcott. He's an Olympic snowboarder. He's going to be... He's approaching his 40s. And he's going to compete. He wants to compete in so- Soki. Is that how you say Soki Olympics? He'll be 41. That's awesome. Yeah. He's... Uh, <laughs> his father who will be rowing in the prestigious head of Charles Regatta later this year at the age of 70. Wow. And he figures he should have no problem racing a snowboard down a mountain when he reaches 41. He's 37 right now. He's overcoming a knee injury in hopes of being healthy for the Soki Olympics, 
where he would have a chance to win snowboarder cross for the third straight time. But before he even begins that quest, he's committing to staying in his sport through at least 2018, a year after he hits the big 4-0. So, uh, good luck, Seth. 40 is the new 30. This is what I heard. That's, yeah. that's what I Could hear. Could be that I'm turning 41 this next year, but <laughs> 40 is the new 30. He says, I believe in myself as an athlete and in my genetics. Uh, he said this at the U.S. Olympic Committee's Media Summit. I know I have the ability to have longevity in the sport as long as I'm progressing, and I have been, then there's no way I'm going to walk away. Man, okay. that'd be awesome. If he could, I think so. I just what would be – I bet he can compete for sure. It's can he medal. Can he medal for the third Olympic? That'd be amazing. So it's hunting season. Unfortunately, that spilled over into hunting and city limits, which is not a good thing. Up in Logan, state uh, wildlife officials or officers say they found a person accused of killing a well-known trophy buck in the Logan city limits. Conservation officer Christopher Scholes says wildlife officials seized the 29-inch antlers from the suspect, who now faces misdemeanor charges of shooting within city limits and unlawful taking of wildlife while trespassing. The animal even had a nickname. The locals called it the Greenville Buck. He was often seen wandering the city and sleeping in residents' backyard. But get this. This is, this is how... It's like the dumb criminals, they always get busted. The Salt Lake Tribune officer... or Schultz tells the Salt Lake Tribune the officers were tipped off after someone brought the buck's head into Al's Sporting Goods store Showing a few off. days this is what to show yeah. it off. Of yeah. <laughs> after That's the archery hunt. hunt. Well, check it out. I got my buck, and then, you know. Utah's like some of the best hunting stories. Yeah. I mean, I look forward to it every year. So, what, yeah, if you get, that's the thing is he shot it so that he could show it off. But you show it off, you get busted. So, just so you know. uh, Terrible story in Colorado. It's Colorado's just been a year of bad weather, bad natural this disasters. This is a boulder slide. Yeah. Yeah, the boulder slide, that's it. Yeah. Unbelievable. Horribly sad. Like, this is a horrible story. There's a rock slide. This is according to the Associated Press that killed five hikers and injured a sixth. One it, survivor, this little seven-year-old girl, I think I read that. Yeah, it demolished a popular beginner's trail below one of Colorado's most photographed mountains, causing so much destruction, rescuers had to wait a day to recover the victims' bodies. It was a, the slide sent a hundred ton boulders onto a viewing area oh, to to see the Agnes Vale Falls in Chalk Creek Canyon below Mount Prince. It's a fourteen thousand foot peak, and the witnesses said some of the boulders were the size of cars, and it just wiped out five hikers. Unbelievable. So, yeah, the ground's unstable because of the crazy weather Colorado's been getting, and just loose and came down and caught everyone by surprise. So. Yeah, we always like to give a little bit of advice. But there, what could you do? I mean, that's completely nuts. Like that's. Totally yeah, I don't random. know what you do. Helmet, <laughs> maybe like helmet while hiking. Like a real, maybe like a really strong helmet. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> Boulders the size of a car. Be quick. You gotta be quick. So Agnes Valley, that's the where they were going to see the waterfall's namesake, was a. A Denver mountaineer who died in 1925 while attempting a difficult winter climb of Long's Peak. And that was named after him, Agnes, Agnes Valley. So interesting. But, yeah, it's crazy. You, you know, un, as unfortunate as that is, it's and as rare as that is, and they were they died hiking. They didn't they didn't die in a car accident or something. I mean, they were outside. I don't know if that. Or in your house on a couch in a bus. Yes. Goes through the wall of your house and kills you. Oh my! Yeah, I mean, there's that. There's that. So it's better than that. <laughs> that happens all the time. I've heard. <laughs> so I, I only found one bear story. Oh, this I've week. got two bear stories. Do you have the Lake Powell bear story? Yeah, but here's the. This is the best part of the Lake Powell bear story. The, the, one, I don't know where. Where do they live? <laughs> this is brilliant. I, I don't even know. And this, it's a long. It's a pretty long story. I mean, you can get into it if you want to. But as far as I'm concerned, just just the headline. Bear visits a houseboat, tries water slide, and is rescued at Lake Powell. So that's it. I mean, what more do you want? End of story. End of story. <laughs> okay, read that one again. Bear visits houseboat, tries water slide, and is rescued at Lake Powell. At Lake Powell, yeah. It kind of addresses all the main points. 
location, obviously. And did you see the pull the pictures? It's, it's a, the it's cutest a, little. No, bear. it's a little one. I think that's yeah. why they knew they knew this bear was around, but nobody was really concerned about it because he's like the size of your dog or yeah, something. Like he's pretty super small. Cute little bear. Yeah, and he did. They have pictures of him. They don't have pictures of him on the slide, which is yeah. a shame. I picked this up on the trip. Is that where you got it? This is, yep, Salt Lake trip. Yeah. So they have pictures of him next to the sliding glass door of a houseboat, and he's so cute because he's like, dude, let me in, man. The party's inside, not out here. Bears, bears gone wild. Bears gone wild yeah. in Lake Powell. And you look at the landscape down there. I don't know where the nearest forest is, but. I mean, I know it's. <laughs> like I know the sows are somewhere down there. The but desert bear? I, I have no idea. Yeah, it's the desert. The new breed of desert bear. Yeah, good stuff. So, good, I have good news though. Um, and we'll get you. Then we'll get to your other bear story. Oh, that's fine. There was some missing kayakers in Tajikistan, and I saw this going out over the social media, Facebook from Russ Sturgis and Ben Mar yesterday and the day before. They were concerned because their their buddies were missing, and they had, they had a spot locator device in which they had pushed emergency, you know, come come get us, and so they have been located, they have been found, which is good news. According to Outside Magazine, five kayakers reported missing in Tajikistan have been found and evacuated: Ben Luck, Cooper Lamb. Lambla, Matt Clema, Nate Clema, and Charles King were airlifted by helicopter to Tajikistan's capital of Dushanbe on Thursday, says the Russian news agency RIA Novostri. Kayakers were in in the group. Um, One of them suffered a broken leg, but that the other four were in good health. So that's good. Where were the kayakers from? Does not say like yeah like we're in the world like yeah. if they're from yeah it doesn't say just curious but they're they were they're pro level kayakers because these kids so. uh, I say kids uh, loosely yeah. you know <laughs> they go anywhere in the world the group they're on a lengthy expedition through Eurasia had already spent two months paddling in Siberia yeah and Kyrgyzstan the men were also planning to explore India and China before returning to the United States. So and that's what they want to find the US is, or what, but yeah. and that's what these kids want to find are these these runs that no one has ever seen or done before. Right. Very very remote locations. And that's good news. Uh, bear story number 2. Uh, I got again this one is just just from the name itself cuz obviously I do my extensive research. Bear search. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Bear search. Which we need to do our own little Google search just for bear stories, I think. Uh, but this one just caught me by the name. Anything uh, that, that's called... You would read this. Bear and car caper. Anything that Ooh, involves a caper. Yes. Bear and car caper. <laughs> I think ever since... Uh, there's a there's a missing car uh, and the bear took it. <laughs> Something like that. This is... Uh, imagine the shock for a Mammoth Lakes woman when she walks out to her car uh, to go to work for the morning. You open the passenger door and you're face to face with... A large bear in your car. You probably do what she did. She slammed the door shut. According to, uh, according to Mammoth Lakes Wildlife Officer Steve Searles, the bear had managed to open the car door, which we've established. That happens. Through the years of bear stories on our show. Yep. Um, Lock your door. So the bear managed to open the car door, which was unlocked, and get in. The door apparently slammed shut on its own. 300 plus pound bear stuck in a car. He demolished the insides. Of course. That's probably sort of ate the steering wheel. Point, yeah. uh, desperately trying to get out. That, that is a frustrated, anxious bear. Uh, they managed to get the car door open, let the bear out without anyone getting hurt. Cyril said he fired some bean bags at the big animal uh, to let him know he's not supposed to get in cars. Right. Well, like he's going to try that again. Well, you never <laughs> this know. This is a 300 plus pound bear. That, I'm no, sure those big bean bear. bags are just like, uh, ding. Yeah. <laughs> oh, a mosquito. Cyril said that uh, it is not an uncommon happening. Good to know. <laughs> in this location, uh, especially in the spring when bears wake up. Good reminder to keep car doors locked. In the spring. Oh, well, yeah. Not, yeah. Well, not right now, right. Uh, but in that area. I, I do have another shutdown story. This is the shutdown episode of the Ognato Adventure Show. A sit-in uh, in Yosemite, like Occupy Yosemite, is being organized. If the 
partial federal government shutdown enters day four. Eastern California Radio News Director Stacey Powell will enter Yosemite National Park, whether it's open or not. Public television station KCET reports that Powell plans to organize an Occupy Yosemite Monument on Friday afternoon. The road through Tioga Pass leading into the park is open for travel-only purposes during the shutdown, but no stops are permitted. If they can get through the entry station, Powell will stage a sit-in at uh, Tulumne Falls and the eastern section of Yosemite. I'm outraged, quote, I'm outraged at what the federal government is doing. Closing our national parks is absurd, and it's hurting all of us here in eastern Sierra, end quote. Powell's wrote in a letter to the editor at sierrawave.net, Quote, they cannot take away our access to our national parks, which are on public lands. They can't use this as a bargaining chip. Isn't that against the law? Question mark, end quote. So there's that. We'll see you. That's tomorrow. If you want to join her, sit in. Oh, I got another uh, shutdown story. Shut it down. Good one, yes. Shut down. And this has probably affected you and I the, the, the hardest, I think. Um, this could as, be bad. As of uh, yesterday, I guess it was yesterday. Uh, maybe it was Tuesday. Uh, the National Zoo Panda Cam went dark. That's true. It did go dark because you cannot operate a Panda Cam unless the federal government is operating as well. Well, uh, the buck's involved. Buck's involved. Keeping that, keeping that thing going. Running, yeah. So the Panda Cam is down. As is the National Zoo itself. But I think people are going to get over that. But it's Does just, that mean the animals start? Like you can't go feed the animals? Minimal. <laughs> They're on a diet. They're this are on a diet. Yeah. This, let's hope this does not last too long. But uh, oh, no, boy. even even that's been somewhat restricted, though, as far as their the food that they're allowed to feed their animals. I was reading that. So yeah, National Zoo's closed. But uh, I guess uh, I don't know what we're gonna do. I can just imagine these. Well, I'm, I'm not gonna say all of our audience, but a few members of our audience just staying home and watching the panda cam half the day. So. Yeah, well, I mean, there goes my Friday night. <laughs> Pretty much, get out. I got to find a new panda there. cam now. Jeez. <laughs> anyway, I'm just saying we're all we're all suffering right now. Yeah, no doubt. Well, there's uh, on the on the upside, there were some stand up paddleboard awards presented by Body Glove Honor Stand Up Paddleboarding. This is at Trans World Business. Lots of winners, so you can look up your favorite award people in that uh, industry that I just wanted to let you know so that if you're interested you can check it out but, uh, in other news there was a kayaker that went 35 miles an hour down a drainage ditch it's awesome looking look at look at this m- image here how slim of a shot he has down Ben Mar and friends get their adrenaline fixed by charging down what amounts to a super steep gutter called Lions Bay Slide Ben Marsh pictured running Lions Bay slide and plunging into the water at the bottom. Is that crazy or what? Uh, when kayakers are in need of an adrenaline fix, they'll typically paddle through large rapids or plunge over cascading waterfalls. But for Ben Marr and a few of his friends recently in British Columbia, the source of their excitement was a steep drainage ditch they called Lions Bay slide. It's awesome. We'll post the video. There's pictures here. But it's on Grind TV if you can't wait for us to post it. Yeah, it is. It's a kayak slip and slide. Is what it is. A giant kayak a slide. <laughs> <laughs> so it is. Uh, we talked about getting colder, and it's time to start thinking about backcountry systems and what you're going to be using. And there's a new post on EarnYourTurns.com about. There's an overview of Avalanche airbags and their systems. So, you know, if you're going to use them, it breaks it down by manufacturer, model, airbag, what the airbag uses, the filler, the dollars, and um, and then it kind of breaks down the way they work. So if you're looking to get an airbag flotation device for your backcountry usage this winter, this would be a great way to, and you're still like, I don't know which one to get. This breaks down quite a few of the different brands. And gives you an idea where to start. It uh, some of the manufacturers involved are ABS, BCA, Mammut slash Snowpulse, Mammut regular, Wary, and Black Diamond. So it's the ABS Vario, uh, BCA Float, Mammut PAS, the Mammut RAS, the Wary, and the Black Diamond Jet Force. And they you know use compressed nitrogen, a lot of these to just 
push open your airbag when you get caught in an avalanche. Keeps you above the fray. Doesn't mean you'll live necessarily, but gives you a greater chance. So look into that, airbag systems. Again, it's earnyourturns.com. We'll link it as well. Also, Chris Sharma and friends, they have a project on El Cap that they're looking at as long as they can get in the park. Chris Sharma is set to join. This is sort of a dream team. Tommy Caldwell on his attempts on the well-known Don Wall project on El Cap. Caldwell, one of the best big wall climbers in the world, has been trying to free climb this line for the last five years. The team for this season now stands as Tommy Caldwell, Kevin Jorgensen, Jonathan Sechrist, and Chris Sharma. Caldwell has been attempting the line since 2007. Jorgensen joined him in 2009, and Sechrist joined him last season. Now with the addition of Chris Sharma, it's really an all-star team. Six pitches reportedly in the 514 bracket in each pitch, and many more hard pitches on top of that. The Don Wall Project, which vaguely follows the aid route uh, Mescalito, would be the hardest big wall free route in the world if they can successfully climb it. Again, this is on rockandice.com. Hopefully the closure of the national parks will be short-lived and the team will be able to have a good autumn attempting the route. Uh, may, you know, they'll have, they may need multiple attempts on this to work out the problems and get up that thing. So they asked, Rock and Ice did, they asked Jonathan Segrist whether the goal to free all the pitches in one push or if that's a later goal. He says, not a, not sure exactly what the goal is, honestly. Tommy's the goal, man. We just are slaves <laughs> to, to Tommy. He says, I think for the meantime, just to finish all the pitches is the goal. So we'll see. Good luck, you guys, because they're listening to the show. So I want to make well, sure yeah. you some good luck. That's where they get the inspiration to do climbs like this. Yes. Uh, speaking of those goal-setting and record-breaking routes, Mayan Smith, Gobat, and Libby Souter set a new female speed record on the nose on September 29th. Uh, Mayan, Mayan Smith, Gobat of New Zealand, and American Libby Souter raced to the top of El Cap's nose route in just 5 hours and 39 minutes. The record-breaking time is the fastest ascent of the route achieved by an all-female team. So congratulations, ladies. Nice work. I love... Uh, do you remember the end portion of National Lampoon's vacation. And is it John Candy, who is the park ranger that says, sorry, folks, the moose is closed. Yeah, yeah, Wally World. Yes, and he's got a park ranger hat on and his hand is up. And that picture is on um, a DPM climbing post talking about the government shutdown and how they put climbing on hold in national parks. And I love that photo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's back to better times that vacation photo. Yeah, it does. That's good. Um, also, have there's a huge stand up paddleboard competition going on right now. It's Battle of the Paddle. Well, it might be over now. I don't, I'm not sure. Battle of the Paddle is going on. Uh, there's I see what they did there. Battle, Battle of the Paddle. Of the Paddle. See, I don't know if I've heard They're that. Huge race. Yeah, huge race. So they have. Women's distance, men's distance, men's elite, women's elite, some of the top names and top finishers, women's distance, Annabelle Anderson, Carla Gilbert, Lena Agatis, men's distance, Travis Grant, Danny Ching, the legend, and Zane Schweitzer. Uh, Slater Trout came in 11. And men's elite, Kai Lenny, Connor Baxter, and Danny Ching. And women's elite, Annabelle Anderson, Jenny Kalmbach, and Carla Gilbert are your top three finishers there. So one day, one day, we race in the Battle of the Paddle. Those guys are super fast these days, though. So what's going on this weekend? Anything? Homework. <laughs> Homework. Homework. Oh, that's so sad. Homework. I got some big tests this weekend, so. So this week is shaping up to be fairly busy this weekend. On Saturday morning, 9 a.m., meet at Gear 30 for the Ogden River cleanup. Right. We'll clean up from Slackwater down to Walmart. Bring gloves, dress warm. It'll be fun. It'll be fast. It's not going to be tough. We're just bringing in trash. We'll have 
uh, guys in the river, or at least one guy that I know of in the river, uh, pulling out carts and things like that. The river's not very deep right now. No, so. I think the other day uh, Slack pulled out three carts. Is that all? Three carts. Are they using them as boats or bridges, or what are they doing putting all those carts? In the, I'm not really sure. It's a really good question. It could be, you know, like the uh, the kayakers, little slip that they did. They're it, trying to race could be the cart racers. cart racers down the Ogden. Uh, That's, hey, you're honest. I think you're <laughs> probably right. It's as good as <laughs> any thought. I mean, that goes from no excuse. Nine to noon at noon, the Apput Snow Basin is the first annual Snow Basin Beer Fest. Oh, nice. So, now... If you timed this just perfectly. Yes, we yes, we did. Now, here's the deal though. If you don't if you are anti environmentalism or anti Ogden Riverism and or anti cleaning ism. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you really don't want to join us for the cleanup, Striders, next door our neighbor, their Perlazumi rep will be at the top of twenty second street early Saturday morning with Perlazumi shoes shoes that you can demo and run. They're gonna run up uh, along the Bonneville Shoreline, and some are going to head up to Maylands, but you can demo some brand-new Perlazumi shoes Saturday morning as well. So that might – I don't know the time on that. It might be early enough that you can go demo some cool shoes, come back to yeah. Gear 30, pick up some trash, go up to Snow Basin, and enjoy the brew fest, and annual beer fest. So, huh. that's, a, that's cool. The following day, Sunday, Snow Basin's first annual Pray for Snow party. So this weekend's a party up at Snow Basin. Uh, TGR's Way of Life at the Weber State University Union Building is 10-10, October 10th. And then next Friday is the 10th annual Weber State University Gear Swap and Sale. So check that out for uh, cheap gear. The McConkie Movie Tours at Jim Santee Auditorium on the 11th and Antelope Island 100K and 50K is on October 19th, in which I'm going to beat, I can, I can tell you now, I'm going to throw down, I'm going to beat Greg's time for his 100, and I will come in under, first, if if I finish, if I finish the 50K, I will finish under Greg's 100-mile time of 34 hours. That's a promise right there. Otherwise, if I bail early, I, don't want I will be at Slackwater yeah. eating pizza <laughs> or something. <laughs> so. That's not an incentive. He wants it to be something you don't want to do. Yeah. Powderhorn Productions Choose Your Adventure at Gear 30 is on October 22nd. That's $10, and it's going to be awesome. Lots of swag. Roosters is helping support that, so there will be food and beverages on hand. You're going to want to be here for that. How was your screening the other night over at Slack? That was fun. Yeah. That was really fun. Yeah, we you had turn out? Gear 30 night at Slackwater, and we had lots of swag going out. And people could sign up to win an Arbor Abacus split board, which we have at the shop. If you want to sign up for that, stop by the shop, enter to win. We'll give that away after Black Friday before Christmas. So you can ride, have a new ride if you're the winner. But we watched uh, Art of Flight, which I'd seen portions of, clips of, but I hadn't seen the whole film. And Art of Flight is amazing, amazing That's cinematography. One of the first of the- Best, best. Of the really best, nice best. ones, yeah. yeah. So the, they had a nice sound system set up there. They kind of they got the curtains now that come we down. We watched and uh, uh, Naked Gun there on Monday night. The same setup. The We're same setup. It's great. Monday night movie. It's great. Yeah. There, yeah. And and what I noticed was after it wasn't too long before I think the two dollar PBR started to set in and the <laughs> the crowd started getting a little rowdy and that was good. You know, we got some <laughs> cheering for and when it was high energy and that was fun. So uh, the next. Because this is a weekly thing. So the next Tuesday, Tuesday will be, I think, Second Track Sports is mm-hmm. their night. But Second Track Sports has a night. Alpine Sports has a night. I believe Snow Basin has a night. So, And every Monday a, night, it's going to be a – just go Monday and Tuesday night both because uh, uh, Monday night's uh, Ghostbusters. We're doing like a Halloween-related ones each, there you go. each Monday. So that, that'll be super fun. Well, you saw the setup. It's a, it's a good little spot. It's a great setup. You get some food, some drink, funny movie, good yep. movie. Yep. Good stuff. So I have um, the Ogden Outdoor Adventure Show that you and I started four years ago. Shut up. Was <laughs> was sort of memorialized on College Radio Day up at KWCR. Yeah, this week. This was a Tuesday. Yeah, it was Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. So 
we were invited, unfortunately you were in Salt Lake, but we were invited to be a part of College Radio Day in which they had a, that was an international day of radio supporting college, college radio and their speaker that came on live at 10 a.m. across the world was Wyclef. Jean, you may remember Wyclef. And he, you know, he did a little thing, but they had live acts, singers, and, and they would interview people. And our story was a part of that day, was a, was a part of College Radio Day. So we, we recorded it, and we can play it here for you. Um, do you have that queued up? Yeah, one second. You are listening to the Ogden Outdoor Adventure Show podcast on Gear 30 Radio. Adventure for your ears. Shop Gear 30 Premier Mountain Equipment and improve your outdoor experience. Gear 30 Radio! And I'm Will, we're from the band Coldplay and we support College Radio Day. Hi, my name is Billy Harvey. I'm calling to leave a message for College Radio that you're awesome. Greetings from NYC. We are Stereo Crowd. We love college life and college radio. Thank you. Hey, what's up? I'm Patrick Stump, and I support College Radio Day. Hey, this is Tab the Band. Hi, this is Terry Genderbender from The Butcherettes. Hey, this is Kyle from Typhoon. It's time for College Radio Day. College Radio Day. College Radio Day. This is College Radio Day. You haven't lived until you've heard the show Americans are talking about. The show that launches its listeners to the height of humanity. The audio hour that travels the landscape of adventure. The sound that comforts more than the clip of your first bolt. <sighs> it's the Ogden Outdoor Adventure Show! <laughs> You're listening to Big Jared on College Radio Day, 88.1 KWCR. Boy, that sounds familiar. It's the Ogden Outdoor Adventure Show. Lead in. Love it. Nice work over there on the buttons. That's good That's stuff, good stuff there, except for when I didn't cue you in. <laughs> this is College Radio Day. I am Jared. I'm here with Brandon Long. I feel like I should be sitting where he's at, and he should be here where I'm at. He's so familiar with the studio that, uh, yeah, he's, he's worked here for a while. Whoops, I got to change it up now, huh? There we go. We're good. Back to the trip to this. We're good. Yeah, it's on repeat. <laughs> yeah. So, like I was saying, Brandon's very familiar with the state, uh, the station here. He's uh, started out as a DJ. Yeah, Brandon? So, a lot of people might not realize this. I actually volunteered a semester as a DJ. I was never actually in the DJ class because it conflicted with my schedule. And uh, Mike Adams, who was the manager at the time, I said, Mike, I just want to DJ. Is that all right? He's like, go to one class. We'll, we'll schedule you for Friday afternoons at whatever time, and uh, don't screw things up. I said, all right. So <laughs> Don't screw things so, up. You know, and I was I was here, I think, every week. I don't think I missed a, a shift that I didn't actually have, volunteered. And, and then a year, I did that for two semesters in a row before the college hires yearly. And they were hiring for a news director, and I applied, got the news director gig, and then thought, hey, we should do a... A uh, Ogden Outdoor Adventure show to inform everyone here in town about all the awesomeness that Ogden has to offer in its outdoors. There's a big, huge push for outdoor adventure in town, but there's really nowhere to go to get that information. So we thought, well, let's start a radio show, which of course leads to a blog and a Facebook page, and, and it just sort of took off from there. So, yeah, the rest is kind of history, but so Brandon, like you said, just started out here and kind of took him different directions so college radio day is all about you know everybody celebrating college radio and what it means to them you know and that's kind of a lot Wycliffe talked about when he was on doing the the stream um with all with all the other radio stations that picked it up and played it over air live he's he spoke you know quite a bit about what college radio was to him and and how it affected his life college radio has affected your life dramatically brandon um for tell, sure. Tell us about what where you're at right now. I know a lot of your, the <laughs> listeners that are listening for you know, but those that are here right now that don't know you, they can. I'm sure your story will be intriguing. Well, I'm glad Wyclef mentioned that because it is. I mean, college radio is what you make of it, and it's just an opportunity for students to get involved and do what you can with it. So, so what happens is, uh, you know, start a specialty show right here at KWCR 88.1 Weber FM. It's a little show called the Ogden Outdoor Adventure Show, and after just one year of broadcasting it, we were nominated for a statewide award and we were up against the big boys like X96 and <laughs> I think we lost to Bob and Tom but it was just we were so uh, we were stoked to be uh, nominated for it it was a great um, experience and so 
we had some segments on our show. And one of the segments at uh, 3.30 in the afternoon, which it's fitting that you have us on at 3.30 today. Yeah, crazy, uh, huh? (laughs) (laughs) We called that uh, segment Gear 30 because that's where we talked about the latest gear in outdoor apparel and use for climbing and backpacking and hiking and paddling. And it's like, oh, it's Gear 30. And we have a little intro. And we had Gear Junkie James was was here. And he was our gear guru. Um, And a shout out to Todd at the Top, who couldn't be here today, which wish he could be here, as well as Trippy Tressa, which were, that was our team here. And Gear 30 um, has led to this, later on, me being involved with a retail shop in town by the same name of Gear 30. (laughs) But it started here at, at, at KWCR as a, you know, a radio show and it wouldn't have been possible. We wouldn't have come up with the name. It would have been a different name. And so that little catchy slogan started right here, right here where you're standing, actually. Right where I'm standing. Yeah. And who sat there? Uh, so this is where, this is Todd at the top seat. Todd right at here. the top. And then Gear Junkie James is over here on the other side. Yep, with Trippy Tressa when she showed up. But it was fun. Yeah, we had guests from the community come in. And uh, it's a great opportunity to connect with yeah. everyone in the community. So we had, uh, you know, um, Ogden Nature Center. We were Pathways, Snow Basin, Powder Mountain. And athletes, paddle, paddle athletes, um, and just local athletes as well. And nonprofit groups come in. And we introduced them to the universe or Ogden through KWCR, which was nice. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) So, in other words, college radio hasn't affected you at all. No, yeah. College radio (laughs) radio is a big, big deal because you can, because of the technology today, because of blogs, because of social media, Mm -hmm. you can start a little specialty show and turn it into something big. And potentially upon graduation, you can make a living at it, which is what I've been blessed enough to do. So I've turned a college radio show into a living, and that's awesome. Like, who does that, right? Yeah, for <laughs> real. <laughs> but you can do it. You can, and, and I'm, I'm witness to it. Um, but also get involved in, there's there's other programs up at Weber, like, like the outdoor program. There's other things you can do up here on campus that uh, you just get involved in. It doesn't have to necessarily be radio, but it can can help you outside of your life when you graduate. For sure. There's there's tons of things up here. And didn't yes. you uh, work a little bit with, closely with the recreation people up here on campus? I was employed at the Weber State University outdoor program. So shout out to Tim and uh, Daniel up there. Yeah, you know, by giving trips through there, the students can get involved. And that also helped with uh, getting set up through Gear 30 just to, I don't know, get my feet wet, if you will, in the industry. So, yeah, it's awesome. Brandon, thanks a lot for coming in. Um, Let's see here. Should we play a quick song and then come back and talk a little bit more about uh, you and your experience? You brought your beautiful beautiful daughter in today. Thanks for bringing her in. Hi. What's what's her name if you want to share with her? Her name's Isla, after her grandma. Hi, Isla. She's a little shy. She's Mike shy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's, that's all right, aren't we all? Everybody's a little Mike shy at first. So I'm going to play a quick song for you. We'll come back. We'll talk to Brandon a little bit more about what he's doing, where the uh, Ogden Outdoor Adventure Program is at now, and uh, good. stuff that he's planning in the future, stuff like that. So this is 88.1. This is College Radio Day. You are listening to College Radio Day. The day when college and high school radio stations come together. Across the continent and heard around the world. Around the world. This is the day we all come together. OMG, who is that? Is that Gear Junkie James? <gasps> I heard his gear is so hot. Oh my gosh, he's so hot right he's now. He's so hot right oh, now. Gear Junkie James. The James is so gear hot. Gear Junkie James, he's a junkie, junkie, junkie. A junkie for gear. What's up, James? Where's your gear? Beautiful. <laughs> That's awesome. Every I'll time I heard that, I laughed. I had to chuckle <laughs> to myself every time I heard that when you guys were on air here. I always think of uh, Gear Junkie dancing. He would dance to his own tune. So every time we introduce Gear Junkie, <laughs> it's, he'd be jamming up. Yeah. Gear Junkie, who oh my gosh. was the man for the Gear 30 segment of the Ogden Outdoor Adventure Show. Does he still do that on your. Because what no. are you doing with Ogden Outdoor Adventure right now? Will you so, tell me about what's happened to that? Because I know you're not on here anymore, and I know that you're doing something with it. Yeah. <laughs> Daughter's playing games. Yeah, I you. appreciate it. We did, we, we've moved Ogden Outdoor Adventure Show to podcast only. It is. But it's live in the <laughs> it's live in the Gear Thirty Lounge. So oh, nice. Thursdays from one ish to two ish, 
the community's invited. So you're invited to come Sweet. down and, and double our studio audience from one to two, <laughs> which would be awesome. Because my mom's always there. She brings... Brendan's daughter keeps pushing the microphone away from his face and then laughing about it. <laughs> she doesn't that's want me awesome. to do this for a that's living, awesome. that's for sure. So, yeah, it's free. You know, come come hang out with us and potentially get on our podcast. And then you can catch it. It's podcast on iTunes at mm-hmm. Gear30 Radio or at Gear30.com. And we'll chat about what's going on around town and what's going on in Ogden. And we'll bring in athletes and uh, gear, actual gear vendors and stuff. And Talk so, to them. Yeah, we'll do a little bit of uh, promotion on the podcast, which, as you know, from a nonprofit, is we sort of avoid that here. So um, that's a little different on you know the radio, the podcast version. But what we can say is that this weekend is a uh, meetup at the at Gear Thirty Four. We're going to clean up the Ogden River on oh, Saturday. Yeah. I'm, so. I've seen the event. So there's I'm, I'm going to try to make it, honestly. Good. There's a couple nonprofits involved, the Utah Whitewater Club, as well as Western Waters. And from Slackwater down to right there behind Walmart, it gets a little messy. Mm-hmm. There's some shopping carts in the river, garbage, broken bottles. So we'll, 9 a.m. at Gear 30, we'll meet and we'll have some garbage bags and we'll just clean up. So everybody just kind of goes out and yeah. hangs out with each other and grabs some, picks some stuff up. Yeah. So... What can I expect if I go down there? Just grab a garbage bag, bring it with me, and Piece of cake. get ready to fill it up. Kinship, friendship, you know, um, and then we'll have. Yeah, it'll be easy. It's not. This isn't tough. But if the more people we get down there, it won't take very long, and it'll be fun, and we can make a big impact. So that'll be nice. And then weird, but up at Snow Basin, they're hosting the first ever. Um, it's like they're. It's, it's a it's a brewery beer thing so beer fest. Beer fest. Snow oh yeah, beer fest but, uh, yeah, but snow base this weekend on Saturday I'll probably be there uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's like local it just, it just repeats the uh, events that we like talked like about here and then we, we fade out but uh, snow base will actually be out he there. did it's, so. kind of fun it's always a really big event so he did he does say towards the end that uh, he'll he'll give us a special passcode to the studio so that we can we have an honorary key to the city basically so we can go up there and and enter the studio whenever you know we have time. Or want to nice. so that was nice. Um, I just appreciated them recognizing the Ogden Outdoor Adventure Show and the fact that you can use one of the departments up on campus to go somewhere after you graduate. So you can do yeah, that with any of the it. different areas. But uh, College Radio was and the facilities. I mean, it's it's top notch. It's 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 bigger. Better, stronger, faster than the big boys stations. Yeah, so. the studio is awesome. Yeah, it really. So is. it's been a great opportunity, that's for sure. For sure. So that's all I had this week. Did you have other stories or Uncovered. anything? Covered. We got two, three bear stories. Two, three. We talked about us yeah. for a little while. I think we're pretty much good to go. Yeah. Um, f- we'll end on uh, my land segment. An interesting thought from the Wasatch Backcountry Alliance. This is straightshooter.com. This is a blog that they posted, and it's a good idea, and this is an interesting idea. So give us some feedback on this. Brandon at gear30.com. Hit us up on Facebook or the Ogden Outdoor Adventure Show page. I've often thought how wonderful it would be to show up at a Forest Service meeting with a bag of cash and say, here you go, I brought this for you, keep it. While this may sound crash and borderline illegal, it's essentially what all the ski areas and guiding concession do by a way of leasing and permit fees, leases and permit fees, which is probably why the Forest Service listens to them so closely. Conversely, backcountry users pay nothing and demand things like trailheads, ragers, avalanche forecasters, all of which cost the Forest Service money. So he says, personally, I'd be in favor of a small pay-to-play fee for backcountry use along the lines of a hunting and fishing license, which is about 40 bucks a year. The dollar amount is trivial compared to the price of a day ticket at a ski resort, and it would serve to both bring in revenue for the Forest Service and provide an all-important headcount. He goes on to say, a common sentiment, well, he, wrote, he typed sediment, but it, I think you yeah, think think mean sentiment, mean. yeah. At the land use meetings is that backcountry skiers just want to save all the powder for themselves and their six friends. While the first part may be true, the second part's way off. On any given day, there are hundreds, if not thousands of people in the Wasatch backcountry. It's been estimated that Wasatch backcountry usage is equivalent to one ski resort on, on any given day. 
Unfortunately, there's no way to prove this as there hasn't been an accurate trailhead census done for years, if ever. And to add to this, the Forest Service also relies on data collected by its concessionaries, such as uh, Wasatch Powderbird Guides, who in 0809 claimed that they saw a total of 408 backcountry users for the entire season versus 1,293 that they, that flew, that flew. Um, if you were in a Forest Service bureaucrat, and you're, if you were a Forest Service bureaucrat looking at that, you might think that all heli skiers outnumbered human-powered recreationalists by a ratio of 3 to 1, which is hardly the case. So this he goes on. He's got a little more here to his idea, but not a bad idea. Help fund the trails. Help fund the Forest Service. It's like a – be like, yeah, like a fishing license or a hunting license, 40 bucks. For it's not a bad idea. So there's that. Quote of the week – is missing. I don't know what happened to it. I lost it. <laughs> that was a setup for the yeah. quote of the week. Yeah, the quote of the week's gone. It missed it disappeared. <laughs> if you see it, let me know. I think it ran off underneath the table somewhere. I don't know what happened to it. So yeah, thank you for listening to episode one forty four, the shutdown. We shut it down. Yeah. Uh, this is the Outdoor Adventure Show on Gear 30 Radio. Adventure for your ears. Find the OOA Show podcast on iTunes and gear30.com. As John Muir would say, the mountains are calling and we must go. See you next week.